Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these words be yours and blessed. Amen. A military memory. Let me take you back a number of years. We're in the field on brigade exercise in northern Alberta. I tagged along on this night patrol. And after completing our objective somewhere between 2 and 3 in the morning, we all go to ground where we are, sleeping under the stars. But by daybreak, those stars no longer can be seen. Instead, I wake up to the soothing, steady drum of raindrops. It's pouring. I'm wrapped up in my field bag and poncho liner. I'm cozy, warm, dry, and comfortable. But everything I have, my boots, my outer garments, everything else there is outside getting drenched. Everything I'm going to have to wear for the next day and a half. So I have a choice. I can leave the comfort that I'm feeling right now and immediately jump around, scramble, put on wet clothes before they get completely drenched. Or I can enjoy the fleeting warmth and dryness and roll over in my cozy little cocoon for a little bit longer sleep. Maybe not in heavenly peace, but a very earthly, very temporary counterpart. The second candle of Advent represents peace. So we might suppose, having just listened to the words of Isaiah in chapter 40, that peace and comfort are the same thing. Isaiah's words, as they are, in his book in the Bible, come out of nowhere. Suddenly they're, they're so soothing and tender that most biblical scholars believe that a whole different Isaiah wrote that second half. Comfort, comfort, it starts. Almost like pizza, pizza. It's one of those things we're going to double your warming. We're doubling down. You are having twice as much punishment and it's all taken care of. And then he drafts this beautiful vision. The rough edges of grief and loneliness and despair are all smoothed over. Sin is forgiven. The burden of guilt Gently removed, hope begins to take root, even in what seemed to be the most desperate of times. It's kind of like what Jesus would say later, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But not just comfort in the face of death, comfort in the face of any personal or, or corporate disaster. And we see this come to play all the time. We see it after a earthquake or flood or fire or hurricanes where strangers help strangers. We see it, or I've seen it in patients that recover from intensive surgery and they're laying in their hospital bed delighting on being fed ice chips. I've seen it in the face of a little tiny preschool girl who, who has a boo-boo, an owie on her knee, and it's not bleeding, but you better put a Band-Aid on it or it's not going to go away. I've experienced it in a, in a team that loses its playoff game and is eliminated. 
comes home sad and despondent only to find all their fellow students and fans waiting to greet him. This is the world's pain made tolerable and maybe even a little more. People are at peace because other people, often strangers, provide comfort. Which is why you've got to love the second half of Isaiah. God is a comforting God. He's saying, enough already. Your agony is over and done with. Now enjoy comfort. And God, who is so much bigger and grander than we are, and yet knows our name, our needs, our pain, offers us his own love to comfort us, to heal us. His mighty arm is no longer used for smiting, but instead to gently lift up wandering sheep. And Isaiah closes with, he'll feed his flock like a shepherd. He'll gather the lambs into his arms, carry them in his own bosom, while gently leading the mother sheep. That's comfort. But is it peace? You may notice in the Gospel lesson, Mark's depiction of John the Baptist isn't as strident as the ones you'll find in Matthew or Luke. He's not yelling and screaming. Nobody's called a brood of vipers. He's not talking about an axe that's laid up, ready to chop us down. Instead, it's kind of just at a distance. Instead, Mark, if you remember, has Jesus say all that sort of stuff later. It was our gospel lesson three weeks ago, where Jesus says, you think I came to bring peace to the earth? No, I've come to bring strife and division. I've come to bring fire to the earth, and I wish I already did. That sounds like John the Baptist. It's like before we can bask in the comfort Isaiah talks about, we need to hear and heed John the Baptist's warning. Comfort can be deceiving. And if it's false comfort, it's not peace. For the gospel to sink in, the law must be understood. And this is, in essence, Christ's message of clarity and strength. Seeking not to condemn us, but to rescue us. He does come to bring us peace. But to do so, he first has to shatter what we think is peace. Because our peace often clashes with his. For us, peace is just not fighting with someone. For us, peace is just getting through. For us, peace is a desire for comfort. And too often, and I include myself in this, too many of us good Christian folk desire kind of a peaceful, easy kind of faith. One of limited engagements, low maintenance, and and semi-solid commitment. Sarah and I have this joke that every mission or or vision statement our church produces should have as part of it to inconvenience and beyond because we are so reluctant to be inconvenienced in following Christ. We prefer to stay in our sleeping bags to get as comfortable as we can for as short a period as we can and pretend that everything's all good, ignoring the truth, which is dampening our future. We know better. The military unit I was with at that time was combat engineers, and they had this really good model. It said, 
any fool can be uncomfortable. But still, they also understood that, that it, making comfort your number one priority is not only short-sighted, but foolish. Because it's not always what's best for us. Sooner or later, there will come a time where we'll have to take a stand, make a choice. And believe it or not, Jesus really wants to make it easy for us. For us to choose Him, no matter what. That's where we're going to find the peace that He wants to give. It doesn't mean we have to overlook the uh, soft, gentle, reassuring words of Isaiah, which are offered to devastated people, beaten down and led away into captivity. But we need to listen to John's leather-lunged harangues first that shatter our deceptive idea of being at peace, stirs us out of our sense of accomplishment and confidence. I mean, one soothes the downtrodden, the other challenges the prideful. And at the bottom line, both Isaiah and John the Baptist are saying the same thing. Turn to the Lord. Because we do get distracted. And we do yearn for short-term relief. Our Good Shepherd wants our undivided attention. And as the psalmist says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We need both. So are you beaten down by life? Immobilized by pain or guilt or fear? Well, trust in God and you're going to find comfort and peace. Are you feeling self-indulgent or maybe a slight superficial or mean-spirited or maybe overconfident? Repent of your sins and you will find comfort and peace. George Barna has this illustration that's used over and over again in many sermons about a frog putting a pan of water. and You know how it goes. Water is heated up 0.35 degrees every second until it reaches 140, which is the killing point for frogs, and the frog just dies. Could have jumped out at any moment, but didn't. Could have just leaped out of danger like any frog you would throw in the hot water would, but it just sat there until it was too late. God knows that's true for most of us. So every now and then, he'll turn up the heat. Big time. He doesn't want us to die by degrees. If we've gone complacent or if Christianity is, is, is kind of made too easy, we're in great danger. So he speaks sharply with words that scald us and make us jump, realizing that our own version of peace might not be that of the Prince of Peace who comes to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. The peace of comfort for your sorrow. The peace of forgiveness for your sin. They may not be the same thing, but they take you to the same place. Or maybe not even a place, but to a person, to Jesus Christ. Because in Christ, 
God, the Holy Comforter, accepts us just as we are, but refuses to let us stay there. So he'll soothe our hurt. He'll ease our fear. He'll call for our repentance so that he can gather us up into his arms. Comfort or peace? I pray that his peace, his strident, true, and challenging peace overrides our comfort once and for all and forever. That we find our peace in his comfort. Amen. And now with the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.